Hey, let's give it up for these guys one more time. I tell you what, the, um, it's so awesome that we serve a God who loves us so much to come after us. It's so gl- great to know that we have a God who loves us so much that he will do everything possible to come after us and to search for us. You ever lost anything? I lose things all the time. I lose things all the time, ask my wife. And so I'm always searching for things. In fact, if I'm not intentional on, on putting like my keys and my wallet at one particular spot in the house, if I don't put it there, I'm lost. And I, I'm, I'm just a mess, y'all, I am. I got so many other things in my mind and so many distractions. If I don't have that, that on the, um, that particular spot, then uh, I'm useless. And so, but when I lose something, I go on a search. I go on a search to find it. And so it's awesome to serve a God who will go after us and find us and bring us back home. And I tell you what, you may have found in your seasons of life, just like the Israelites, they were wandering in the desert. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years and they probably felt like God had just outcast them. God had just left them alone. God had given up on them. Have you ever felt like God had given up on you? It's not a good feeling. Or maybe someone you love has given up on you. And so the Israelites felt that way whenever they were in the, the, de- the desert wandering for 40 years. That man, maybe God has, has left us. Maybe God has forgotten all about us. But God still had a plan, a plan A for them. And after 40 years, he went and said, all right, it's time for you to come on home to your promised land. And it's time for you to go to my plan A. We continue today in our Joshua series. Joshua, as you know, was the man that God had chosen to take over Moses' leadership. Moses had died, God buried him, and his job was finished. He had led them out of Egypt. He had been their deliverer through God's power and his might. And so they went to the edge of the promised land They had already gone through the Red Sea. God had done amazing things. God had showed forth his glory. He gave them 10 commandments. I mean, things were going great. Going into the promised land, there's giants. We can't do this. So they decided not to go. They decided they were too scared. They'd forgotten about the glory and the might of, of God. And so because they decided not to go, they disobeyed God. And so God's like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna wander in the desert for 40 years and we're gonna try this again. And so they had messed up the first time. You ever felt like you messed up on God? You felt like God had, has given you maybe some, someone special in your life and maybe you messed that up with some choices you made. Maybe God had given you a job and maybe you, you messed up that job. Maybe you weren't, you weren't really you know, doing your best. Maybe even you did something unethical with your job. 
There could be many things in our life that God has given to us and we may have messed it up. It's sort of like a, a promised land. Something that God is like, you know, I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a family. I'm gonna give you a job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you health. I'm going to give you some things because I love you. And so, but sometimes we mess that up, don't we? That's what the children of Israel did. They messed it up. But God gave them a second chance. God gave them a second chance. Aren't you grateful for second chances? If you're grateful for second chances, raise your hand. Yes. We're grateful for second chances. Bless the Lord. Grateful for second chances. So the Israelites had a second chance, and that was with Joshua as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land. And we talked about that. We talked about in, our, in that first week of Joshua, that second chance of being able to go into that promised land. And just know this, that second chance was, was in the forefront of their mind, but also in the back of their mind was, you know, we messed this up last time. How are we gonna do it this time? Well, first of all, the giants and all the fortified cities were still there. All the struggles that they were gonna face were still there on the second chance. When you and I get a second chance of things, there are still some of those temptations that are there, some of those giants, some of those, maybe those people in your life that are so antagonistic or maybe so negative or whatever speaking against you, there are still those giants in your life that are still there even going at the second chance. So you gotta remember that. But just know this, what we found out on that first week on the second chances, God keeps his promises. God has a plan A for you and he wants to do that plan A. And he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. It's right there in Joshua. But we gotta also realize that we, have a, we should have a different approach this time. Last time, you know, the first time you may have messed something up. This time, you wanna do it differently. The Israelites did it differently. Okay, they sent out, two spies secretly, they didn't take a vote, they took notes. And they, and they, rather than looking at the entire land, spending 40 days looking at the land, they focus on one city, Jericho. One city at a time. So when God is telling you, all right, it's time, I'm gonna give you a second chance on this, okay? Here's another job for you. Here's, a, here's another promotion. Here's someone uh, to love in your life. Here, here's whatever it is. You fill in the blank. And so when God does that, just know this, to, to approach it differently, you've got to tackle one thing at a time. One thing at a time. God wants you to do, be better health, okay? You want to tackle those things one at a time, okay? You, you don't want to just be like, okay, I'm cutting off everything, I'm cutting off all sugars, all carbon, all these things, boom. You know, you want to be like, okay, maybe I should just start this off a little bit slowly, all right, or whatever it is, because then you'll have more success on that. The Israelites did not send a whole bunch of people to all these different cities. They focused on one city at a time. And we're going to talk about the battle of Jericho next week. But before you get, we get to the battle, we've got to talk about some things to help us prepare for that. Last week, Jackson Grant did an awesome job of, of talking about Rahab, the prostitute. What we learned from that is God will choose anybody. God will choose anybody to show forth his glory for his plan. God will even choose people who are far away from him 
for his plan. God, if God could use a prostitute to help with the story of Jericho and that power and display his glory, then he can use you, okay? And, and so you might be sitting here thinking, man, there's no way God's gonna use me because of the things I've done or maybe the things I'm doing or the things I've done, I did last night or the things I did this past weekend. God can't use me, baloney. Yes, he can. He can use you if you're willing. And we talked about that last week with Rahab. And another thing too with Rahab is that don't be surprised by who God chooses to put in your life to help you. Okay, don't be surprised. I mean, that probably, you know, what's it the, what's it the plan? I mean, I, we don't see in scripture, okay, guys, you two guys, you're gonna be, you're gonna be spies, you're gonna go to Jericho. And so what we need you to do, I need you to find a prostitute. Go find a prostitute. And then, you know, and she'll help you. That, that wasn't, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was the opportunity, and Jackson talked about that last week. She ran an inn, in, in, a motel, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so it was a way for them to get into the city. And so don't be surprised by who God puts in your life to help you get to the next level of where God wants you to be. Don't be surprised. It could be that someone that you really don't like too much, you know, Every time they're around, you kind of get this feeling like, mm, I just don't really like them. God can use them. God can use them. I've, I've seen it happen in my life. I've had people in my life in the past be like, man, I, just, I don't really, there's not a really good vibe between me and this person. And God would use that person to help me get where God wanted me to go. So don't be surprised of who God puts in your life. So now, now that Joshua and the Israelites have spied on Jericho and know that the people in that fortified city are actually in fear of them, they've heard of what God has done in their life. Even, even 40 years later, they, the stories are alive. So after that, and they're getting ready to cross over Jordan, we get this report from the spies and we saw this a little bit in, in uh, Joshua 2.24 and it says this. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. This is their moment. This is when they can finally do it. This is when they can finally cross into uh, in, in their second chance where they can go into that promised land. So here, here's what, us, what I want us to think about today. Some of you have been standing on your edge of the Jordan River. The Jordan River is the thing that, that separated them from the promised land. It's not a Red Sea, it's a river. So that thing separated them from the promised land. Some of you are standing on a Jordan River on this edge and you know you gotta get to the other side and you're scared. You're scared of the second chance. You're scared of failing God. You're scared of failing people in your life. You're scared of messing up. You're not worthy, whatever it is. And so because of that, you're standing there. But God is telling you today, look, it's time for you to cross the Jordan. It's time for you to set foot on 
the promised land. So when God moves in your heart to take possession of that new life in whatever area he has for you, while you continue to face your fears, there are some things that will help us based on these passages. So we're gonna be in Joshua chapter three and a little bit of chapter four. And I want us to look at the first uh, three verses of Joshua chapter three. I wanna go uh, one through three, and then I'm gonna jump over to verse six. So here's how it goes. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out before Shatim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move and from your positions and follow it. Jump down to verse six. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So the tabernacle, I mean, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is in this sort of makeshift tabernacle, maybe of tents, this Ark of the Covenant was where the glory of the Lord was in. I don't want to make it seem like it's a genie in a bottle kind of deal, but I, I believe God just took a little bit of his glory and just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in this, in this ark. And he, he was very specific about what was in this ark, okay? What, what, how, to, how it was made and the 10 commandments, you know, we're in there and some other things, Moses' staff. And so because of that, they, um, they had to take very good care of the ark. In fact, there's some incredible stories about the ark of the covenant. And so the Levitical priests had to carry and only they could carry this this ark. And so they, um, Joshua wanted them to pass on ahead of them. Here's lesson number one that you and I can, can, can learn from this. When it's time for you to cross over into the, that new area in your life where God is telling you, look, it's time for you to get on board with what I want to, to give you with this plan A, it's time for you to let go of the past. It's time for you to move forward Here's what we can learn. Put God first. That's the number one. Put God first. The Ark of the Covenant, they put ahead of the people. The Ark of the Covenant went into the water first, went into the Jordan first. So we gotta be able to put God first in your life. You need to put God first. You know, the Jordan River, you can actually Google this and look at some pictures. The Jordan River is about the size of the Etowah as far as, you know, across, with the cross. And so just imagine the Etowah River being able to, uh, to cross over that. Okay, so, so I was thinking about this. Okay, there's, a, there's probably about 2 million people, scholars estimate, that are part of this Israelite clan, this, this nation. So 2 million people, and I'm thinking, this, they could just build a bridge, right? I mean, just, just a few months, I mean, they, they've got enough people, they could build a little bridge going over the Etowah, right? I mean, that's not a big deal. I mean, just, just spend, spend a few weeks or whatever and, and, and go after it. But here's the deal. Joshua knew 
That's not, that's not what God's playing because, Josh, because Joshua knew that God wanted to show forth his power and his might. It's not about them and their abilities. So when it's time for them to cross over into the land, God's like, <clears throat> uh, this is about me and what I wanna do and what I wanna show you. It's not about you. Because if it was about them, they would have built a bridge. So God said, put me first. Go in the water first. I want to go in that water. It was about what God was providing for their needs. God wanted to provide for their needs. So when God's calling you to that place of where you know you need to be, know this, God wants to be the one supplying your need. God wants to be your provider. It was about God confirming the call to go into the promised land. You know, we, we, have, we often will have abilities, you know, when we face our fears and move forward in a new life, but God wants you to place him first. Whatever abilities you may have, say, man, I mean, I've got the ability to, to fix my marriage. I've got the ability to fix my finances. I've got the ability to fix my health. I've got the, and so when you put yourself first, you leave God out, God just standing on the sideline with his arms folded, just waiting for, you know, you to call for help. And God's like, look, just, just put me first. Put me first in your finances. I can help you with this. I can give you wisdom. I can pave the way. That's what the Ark of the Covenant did. It paved the way to cross over into the Jordan and into the promised land. So God is telling you, don't make it about you and your abilities and what you can do. Make it about God. Put him first. Because here's what happens. While you get a new story, God gets the full glory. When you get a new story, God gets the full glory. You turn that around. God gets the full glory while you get a new story. Whatever you wanna say it, okay? But, but it's all about his glory. And in the process, God is writing a new story in our life, a new chapter in our life. So we want, we want to put God first. Now, the way to put God first is, is really an act of love. Because when we want to, when we feel like it's time to go into that new area in our life, we want to obey God. We want to put him first because of love, not out of guilt because love is stronger than guilt. Let me share that again. Love is stronger than guilt. Love is greater than guilt. And so we wanna do these things, we wanna obey God, why? Not because of guilt, because we love God. We wanna do it out of love. And so God is saying, look, put me first and God will make a way. We see this in Joshua 3, uh, 17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all, the is, all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed a crossing on dry ground. So that, that new land of a better marriage, better health, better finances, better self-control of your emotions, whatever it is, would only 
be crossed when we place God first and ask him to lead the way. So put God first. Put God first. Don't do this without God's power and God's mind. Second thing we get to know from this story is we got to build a monument. We want to build a monument. Notice in uh, chapter four, verse one through seven, love this part of the story. Chapter four, verse one through seven, it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan and the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. That's important. From right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So God wants you to build a monument. Now, what, what are monuments for? Monuments, the purpose of a monument is to tell a story. It's to tell a story. It's to, to mark something. Not long ago, a few months ago, Susanna and I had an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. Uh, with several of the uh, ministers from Bartow County. And it was a trip to where we got to see really the true story and the backstories behind how this nation was formed uh, by, by Christian men and women and, and the leadership um, of, of men who feared the Lord and walked in his ways and how the Bible played a huge role in that. And so while we were there, guess what we saw? We saw monuments. We saw lots of cool monuments. When, you, when, you're, when you're walking into the, the, the Lincoln Memorial and that monument, I mean, that dude is big. I mean, it's huge. And you see, you see on, on the wall just writings inscripted. And, 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 and you go to look at, the, there's a monument, Martin Luther King uh, uh, Monument Memorial, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, there's all kinds of monuments that show and they tell a story. And they mark something. And, and you know what? Those monuments are still one of the top attractions that people go see. You would think it's a monument. Oh, we know about Abraham Lincoln. No, they want to go see that monument of Abraham Lincoln, that Lincoln Memorial. They want to go see. And so because of his life and the story that his life told. So this, um, this monument that the Israelites had to make of 12 stones, it wasn't for the battle of Jericho because we haven't got to the battle of Jericho yet. We'll get to there next week. You don't wanna miss it. But the stones were not for the battle of Jericho. The stones were for the crossing of the Jordan River. 
And so the crossing of the Jordan River was about God confirming the call. So there's a barrier between you and that new life for whatever God wants you to have. And the monument God wants you to build is a statement about God's confirmation for your improved area of your life. So the, same, the, the monument God wants you to build is a statement about God's confirmation, God's confirmed calling. So the Jordan River and the miracle that happened there was confirmation that, look, I haven't forgot about you. I haven't forgot about you. I'm still the miracle working God. After 40 years in the desert, I haven't forgot about you. Man, isn't that great news? See, when we walk with the Lord, Lord, the Lord will give us confirmation. He will give us signs and say, look, I've not forgotten about you. I'm still with you, man. I'm still with you and, and, and we could do this together. And so that confirmation, God's like, look, this is what I want you to do. And this is how to, to, to show you that I want you to do this. But can I tell you something? Sometimes confirmations are not always positive. Sometimes confirmations are not always positive. It's like we're always looking for the positive confirmations. We're looking for those, those Jordan River miracles, right? We're looking for those positive confirmations. And God is confirming in your life many times, and he's given to me as well. God is confirming in us that he wants us to move forward, and it's even almost a negative confirmation, Okay, not long ago, I went to the doctor and I got a bad confirmation that I needed to make some lifestyle changes. So he said, no more Krispy Kreme. I'm really sad by that. But, you know, I'm getting older, you know, I gotta take care of my body. And so that confirmation, this young doctor was like, Okay, Mr. Bennett, you know, you know what I'm probably gonna say. I was like, yeah, I know. And so, but it was a confirmation that I needed to make some changes. And sometimes when God makes those confirmations, there's there's sometimes negative. A, A bounce check, hmm, a bounce check, that's a confirmation. And it's not positive, is it? Definitely, it's kind of negative and more ways to look at it. But that bounce check is confirmation. Hey, um, it's time for you to make some changes financially. It's time for me to, to come first in your finances. Okay? You go out of the house. You're gone for a couple of days because you, you can't get along with your, with your spouse and you leave. That's negative confirmation, but it's confirmation. Okay? It's an ouch, but it's confirmation. That's, what, that's how God has even built our body. When, when things hurt within us, it's like, okay, what, what is that? I didn't know, why is that hurting? Okay, well, that's hurting because there's confirmation that something was wrong. Well, God sometimes will give confirmation to us with an ouch. Sometimes it can be negative. So listen to how God is speaking in your life. God will allow those ouches to be in your life and those negative um, confirmations to be there. So what does it have to do with monuments? 
Well, let's say if there's a confirmation of bad health, well, make, you, need to, you need to create sort of an action plan. You need, to have a, you need to make a statement. That's what a monument does. A monument makes a statement. Abraham Lincoln Monument, huge statement. And so you need to make a statement. You need to join a gym. You need to get a juicer. You need to get a, you know, some sort of, you know, cookbook, you know, to eat better, you know, or finally eat what your wife is telling you to eat, like my wife tells me to eat. You know, you need to do, you need to have an action plan. You need to make a statement. God is telling you, look, you need to make a statement. That is how we respond to confirmations. So when God is confirming something in your life, make that statement. Make that monument, okay? Some of you financially, you know, we're, uh, here, here in a few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna go through a course that I was broke, now I'm not. It's a biblical stewardship plan to put God first in your finances and for budgeting. You don't wanna miss that. That is a statement. I'm gonna sign up, I'm gonna pay for the book, which is, I think, $10, and then I'm gonna go through the class. I'm gonna take time to do that. That's a statement, okay? God is telling you, look, you need to get a monument. You need to make a statement with in response to the confirmation. It's an action plan. So not only, um, not only is that monument a, a response to a confirmation, but that monument is actually created before the battle begins, before the battle begins. See, we're, we're always about battles. We're always about, okay, I just wanna get to the competition. Okay? It's like football teams. Coach, we're practicing. We're practicing. I just want to get in the game. I want to hit the other players. I just, I want to hit somebody on the other team, you know, and, and, and I'm ready to just get dirty and, and I'm ready to do something. It's all about the battle, isn't it? You know, we don't watch TV, the practices. Whatever your favorite college team or professional team, you don't tune in and say, okay, I want to watch their practice. They don't televise a practice. No one cares about the practice. They care about the game. But can I tell you something? There's lots of things we need to look at before the battle, before the game. So God is telling you, before you tackle this air in your life, marriage issues, financial issues, health issues, whatever it is in your life, before you tackle that, look, I need you to make an action plan and I need you to make a statement. What statement have you not made yet? What action plan have you not made yet? Frank, I'm smoking. I gotta stop smoking. Get a patch. Get accountability. Get something. You know, whatever. Make, make a plan, okay? Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking too much, you know, and, and I know I shouldn't. You know, I'm drinking too much alcohol. I just... Get some accountability, you know, make a plan. You know, go, go a different way home that's not by, you know, the liquor store, those convenience stores that you go to. Make a different plan, whatever, make a statement. But you gotta do it before the battle begins. You gotta set that before the battle begins. Um, our church is, is, is on the forefront of, of, of a battle. As, as God has given to us and showed to us, look, there's 20 acres I want you to, to buy 
and I'm gonna buy it, but I'm gonna do it through you and through other people outside of our church and, and, and I'm gonna show forth my glory. But, but this 20 acres and, and this whole project and, and this whole $3 million project, it's too big for you. And God loves that. I don't. Because I'm like going, oh. But God is saying, I love it when things are too big for the church. <laughs> you know, when, when, the, when the Israelites are stuck between the, the Egyptians and the Red Sea, God's like, yes. He's like, man, this is my playground. I get to do some work. Watch this. Whew. Red Sea parts. So, so as a church, and maybe even in your own life, but as a church, we're faced with something that God has called us to do. God has confirmed to that to us. And he's saying, look, I, I want you to go to this, to this new location. You're gonna do even more abundant things for my glory, for my kingdom on this property. You're gonna be able to do a whole lot more. You're gonna be able to reach people in the community. You're gonna be doing some amazing stuff. But here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a statement. Some of you remember this statement. Back in October, we walked that land, we prayed, prayed over it. We put prayer requests to people we want saved on that property. We put it in a time capsule, sealed it shut, put it in the ground. We don't even own the land. And we put it in the ground. Now the landowners knew we were doing that because I asked them. They're like, yeah, that's great. Which is incredible favor. We don't even own the land. And we put, we put that in the ground. I know the place where we put it. You know, one of these days, 100 years from now, we'll, you know, we'll, somebody, not me, but they'll dig it up and say, hey, look at these, this is awesome. But we made a statement. God, we're putting you first. The first shovel we're putting in this ground is not for a building, it's not for a park. The first shovel we put in the ground is to put prayers of the people that need to be saved. That is our statement. We made a statement. What statement are you missing as you go to where God wants you to go? What statement are you missing? What statement has God asked you to make that you have not done that? That marriage counseling, you have got to get into that marriage counseling if you're having issues. We, all of us that are married probably could use some marriage counseling anyway. But, that is a statement. And man, let me tell you something. Man, don't let your wives make that first step. Be a man. I'm, so, I'm just, ladies, sorry, I'm just gonna talk to the guys. Be a man and, and make that statement. Whatever the issue is, just do it. Just do it. Don't wait for your wives. Now, wives, it doesn't mean you can't have leadership because. I know some of you drag your husband to church. That's fine. That's good. Guys, glad you're here. But, but just, you need to lead. You need to make a statement. What statement? And it needs to come before the battle. It needs to come before the battle. And it needs to come out of the confirmation. Did you notice the 12 stones came out of the Jordan River, out of God's confirmation? Okay? We need to put it out of that. Don't Delay, build it, build your monument, make your statement from the, the rocks of wisdom, the rocks of hurt, the rocks of betrayal. Maybe you experienced during your, during your confirmation. 
Make it from that. So we've learned, number one, place God first. Number two, build a monument, you know, make a statement. Here's the last thing. Number three, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. What does the word consecrate mean? Not, not concentrate, but consecrate. It means to make something holy, to declare sacred, to dedicate to some purpose, to declare sacred. We see this in Joshua chapter five, verse one. It says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Circumcise the Israelites again. Now, circumcision was a very important way for God to set apart God's chosen people. He spoke it first to Abraham. And the Israelites continued all the way through until they went to go try to enter the promised land for the first time. They messed up. They didn't obey God. So for 40 years, they were in the desert. All of the fighting men, 18 and older, who could fight, who could carry a sword, they died. Everyone else in the 40 years, those men, God raised up, okay? And God was able to uh, help them train and, and, and they could carry a sword and they were part of the army. Well, during that 40 years, they were not circumcised. And so the very first thing that, that Joshua did, he made sure that all of them were circumcised, all the men, the fighting men. And what that shows is this. Look, it's time to consecrate to make holy. You are my chosen people. You are holy. You're set apart. So how, that was God's way to make them holy. What area in your life are you not making holy? What area in your life are you not setting apart? Marriage is a holy Act. Marriage is a cons consecration. You consecrate one another in marriage. You make that holy. You make that relationship holy in marriage. And you uphold that in marriage while you're married, not just that ceremony. Marriage is not just the ceremony. Marriage is marriage, a lifetime. So that ceremony continues on through but you make your relationship holy through marriage. You uh, consecrate your body. Consecrate your body. Your body, for those of you who are believers, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's got the Ark of the Covenant. You can't even find it. But the Ark of the Covenant, where God's, God's Spirit dwelled, doesn't, doesn't dwell there anymore. It dwells within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if you, once you accept the Christ, God comes and lives inside you. You need to take care of your body, okay? If you're putting things in your body that you shouldn't be putting in there, okay? You probably know what those are. You need to consecrate your body. Finances, make them holy. How do you make your finances holy? You've heard me talk about it, okay? You give an offering. You give a tithe. Look, it's not, it's not my plan, okay? I'm just speaking what the, God, what the Bible says. But you give a tithe, you give an offering. We're in the middle of a 90-day tithe challenge. It started July 1st. 
Even if, even if he hadn't started July 1st, you could just take up right where, right where we're at, okay? And that challenge, that 90-day challenge is all about, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give God 10%. Okay, some of you who give 10% regularly for years, might, God might be telling you to give more, whatever. But you're just, as a church, we're going to test God and just give God a full 10% tithe. What that's gonna do, it's that's going to make, first of all, that's gonna put God first, just like the ark, put it in the Jordan, okay? You're giving God a tithe, the first fruits of your increase, you're putting God first. And you're making the journey holy. You're making that journey holy. You're making your finances holy. God will give you wisdom. God will give you and will provide for the things in your life. So before we get to the battle of Jericho, and I know we all know about Joshua and the battle of Jericho. It's all about the battle of Jericho. But before we start the battle, there's some things we have to do. There are some things that we've got to make sure that we are doing. And number one is, first of all, we've got to be placing God first. Then we've got to build that monument. And number three, we've got to consecrate ourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Make it holy. Make your actions holy. Make it about God. And some of you who feel like you don't deserve a second chance, you probably don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. You're right. But God's saying it's okay. It's plan A. Let's get going. So don't delay. Don't delay. Put God first. Make a statement. And bring holiness into your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, Frank, I'm just, I, 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 need to, I need to cross over that Jordan in my life. It's been separating me for a long time from the place that God really wants me to go. And I've, I've seen that promised land. God has, God has shown it to me. I've, I just, I feel like it's time for me to cross over. And if you need to cross over right now, just say this right where your seat, just from your heart. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to cross over. I want to put you first. I want to put you first. I want to make a statement. And I want to make my life holy. I want to have a holy marriage, holy finances. And I want to make my body holy for your presence and your glory. And if you pray that prayer, just ask God to give you strength to do that. And he will.